Dicey Performance is recorded at Umeå Folkuniversitetet. It contains adult themes and adult language. Hello. Hello, hello everyone and welcome to Dice Performance Does Moon's Edge. This will be session zero, so if you're looking for story, you've come to the wrong place, but it's a good place to start if you want to know what the hell this entire season of Dice Performance is about. Uh, I'm going to be your GM this time, not Jacob, so this is weird. And I'll let the actors for this season introduce themselves. Hi, it's Joanna. Hi, Sarah. Hi. It's Leon. So, oh God, <laughs> jo Joanna and Leon. Everyone should know from uh, Shadowrun. But Sarah, you were our artist. Yes, for I Shadowrun, have... and now you're stepping into the recording booth. Yes, I've downgraded. No, but, uh... <laughs> oh wow, thank God you. Damn, that hurt. I mean, if you, if you hear the end credits, you've heard her name. Yeah. Yes, you know now also have the misfortune of hearing my voice. So that is now your problem. Hello. So. A uh, little introduction to uh, Moon's Edge here. It's a system that myself and Jacob have kind of cobbled together. We've tried to make a system which works in podcasting format, so it's rules light, lighter than it should be, and very vague. Uh, so we'll go through some of that a little later on, but uh, kind of different stab as to what we normally do. I have already created the world, and I'd like to give you a little introduction. So, Moon's Edge is a Victorian-esque setting where steam power is in its prime, and a raw form of magic was discovered around ten years ago, uh, which can be used by certain magic-vulnerable people called vessels. Uh, the other characters' handbooks, as it were, are not set in stone and will be ghosts, blah blah blah. But you guys have talked to me about the skills you can take and what kind of character direction you wanted to go in. But yeah, the world. It's, like I said, Victorian-style, London-adjacent city by the seafront. It's about half the size of New York City. And outside of this city exists mines, lakes, forests, and villages, but not much else for miles. And all of it is blanketed by an eternal darkness. The main technology for Moon's Edge is a steampunk aesthetic. A lot of coal power, pulley systems, clockwork, and yeah, like I said, around 10 years ago, something happened and magic was released into the world. The basis for our story is going to be centered on this city, which, does it have a name, guys? Because I've just been calling it Moon's Edge. Isn't that the name of the city, though? I don't know if it's the name of the city or the world. You guys I decide. I mean, I always assumed it was the name of the city. Yeah, so did I, because you've yes, sort of mentioned that before. We went along with it, so... Excellent. Yeah. The city is called Moon's Edge. <laughs> I just named the entire setting Moon's Edge. I was like, this needs a pretentious-ass name because it's me. Of <laughs> Let's course. Let's go. I mean, we can always come up with some kind of name for the world. I've, in my notes, I've just been calling the world the world rather inventively. I mean, it works. Yeah. <laughs> if it works, it works. Yeah. So, the city itself is divided up into three parts. And they are lower, central, and higher districts. So, Joanna. Yes. The lower district itself is the where it, it's, it, it it's, contains the slums. Yes. All the working class people. Uh, the, the, like, biggest... Uh, 
what would it be export or uh, the biggest mm, yeah. factory it, it contains yeah it contains the docks where we'll later know that my character is, works yeah and it it also contains the den the which... den is a gang of mobsters yes. who they their numbers are unknown and they have no uniform or no tags or anything and it they is can basically be a large mafia. Yeah, they can be anyone. Who run the docks. Yes. And it, it's so, very sneaky, sneaky. Mm, so basically, those areas of town look very dirty, very poor, very dingy looking. Like, there's the floor is pretty much dirt, uh, dirt and yeah. piss and <laughs> shit and. Everything you can think of to no. the point that sometimes you see people in the street and you don't know whether they're just asleep or dead. Yeah. So the when when magic took over and became like a prime source of power, um mines for coal and such like were needed a lot less. And over the past ten years there have been a lot of there's been a lot of unemployment and a lot of stagnation of of the like ways people can get money and this sidled up with the fact that there are like food shortages and there's just a bunch of shit going down that means the quality of life people used to have is just steadily deteriorating yeah. and people are turning more to this this den this mafia yeah because they den. are a way of surviving in the street mm. it's a way of them getting food because the den is helping in quotes yes like the poor uh people and they 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 kind of like provide for them mm. in a way that they wouldn't do anymore since magic took over and it's taking all of their jobs yeah yeah and we'll get into magic a little bit later but the people keeping the den in place and underfoot would be a group known as the black coats who are the militaresque force um that live and patrol in the Middle District. So, Sarah, can you tell me a little bit about the Middle District? Of course. Um, the Middle District is mostly famous for having, well, plenty of opportunities for shopping, cafes. It's essentially what you can see in a usual classical little English town. Mm. But now with no lights, steampunk, and a bunch of corrupt closest thing to police officers walking around. Yeah. And also, it's the absolute best place if you need to steal something because finally the thing about black coats they don't patrol as thoroughly if they're sure nobody will try to steal anything from them excellent yes so the the middle district it's a little shinier but still a bit shit, shit. yeah the middle class is shrinking drastically and the black coats are you know paid and and they enforce what they they need to under the direction of like the rich and powerful in this in this city general um, dickheads yeah but this also comes with the fact that they know they have power over people in the den people in the lower classes so they have many 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 vices they're drinkers drug users philanderers they're the the 
scummy side. I mean, they're one step closer to living on the like on the slums and on the den side yeah. of things. Then again, plenty of the people in the black coats were originally from the den because they just yeah, there, there's there's very slight upward mobility. Like yeah. you, you can become. I think magic would help you there as well. So I think a lot of the magical born slum people, you know, the poor peasanty people who were born with magic, would find that getting into the black coats would be a little easier. Yeah, that or if they just had other special abilities, just that's something they could keep up. Mm, some 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 skills to get along the way. Oh yes. So. The Black Coats themselves are headed up by one elite, and the High District, the Elite District. Leon, do you want to chip in something about that? Oh, hell yes. So, as we have just heard, we have the den, the like uh, kind of low the peasant scum. Thing. The peasant scum, <laughs> exactly. I mean, the so, fuck that. No one actually has to oh, remember wow, any of thanks. that, right? Then we got the Middle District, which is. I guess a little better, but they're, they're, still, they're a militia, really. You know, on the scale, it's still a little shit. So who cares about that, right? We can just neglect yeah. all of that. So we go directly to the high district. That I've the heard it's a myth. We have uh, the posh people. Oh, so uh, the twats. <laughs> I don't know. You think of a combination of, for example, uh, those. Uh, Immortal guys and I don't know Altered Carbon or Netflix series like that where you just have everything you would like First of all, you just have space Yes, in, in, in stark contrast to the den where all the houses are shoved very tightly packed together And you know, you'd have several families in one house the elite district have gardens and such like yeah, you know They know have what we do in the high district, you know, the elite oh, yards. The proper bastards Oh you know, Obviously, they, oh. they actually have flora and fauna around. <laughs> you know, they have nicely tended to gardens and such like. Not that is why. Roof. That yeah. is why for the slums and the den, it's just a myth that it exists. Yeah. You'll never see the top. Mm. <laughs> we dare you to dream. I mean. So the the streets in the elite district are, are you know. Cleanlier, cleaner. They have just a cleaner, wider. Yeah, we we have magical, uh, powered gas lights. You know that illuminate the street from the ever impending darkness above. And in what shades do those streets? They are lights? purple. They, they are, are purple. bright purple. Everything is purple in this world because the creator of this world is the edgiest fucker we have on board, which You're says welcome. a lot considering who is playing in this podcast. <laughs> oh. Yeah, me and Leon are fighting for edgy and bastard awards. Now that is awards. such a challenge. <laughs> I mean, let's let's not make the podcast just a fight between you two to see who's the edgiest. No one is winning Don't in this hate. one. No one is winning this war. We've tried before. It doesn't. It, I've just decided no. that there's a cliff face that overhangs the entire city and rocks fall and you all die. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've done nothing. <laughs> I've done nothing. Please, roll bull in the china shop. <laughs> <laughs> that worked well last time. We'll get on to rolls uh, in, in a few minutes. But yeah, the, the elite do... I, I would say that the, there's, there's a high nepotism in the elite district and most people's days consist of showing off their wealth and showing off to other elites 
how wealthy they are, and and it's very much a big like parade of look what I've got. It's. I mean, you've been born with all of this posh. It's a monument to Claire's, mm. obviously. So you need to show up. Yeah, there there are what I would call lower elites who, uh, would you know? I I would say they use their wealth and and influence to give to the community and do some humanitarian efforts. Ah, little but they are very, of course. Yeah, they are very looked down upon by the other elites. And, you know, some of them are, are, are seen as saviors from the people in the den and people in the, uh, like, lower and mid-district. So th- there is some help going on in this dire, despicable, miserable world. But not a lot. Um, so should we talk a little bit about tech and magic? So Leon, you you are you are a magic man. I'm a magic. You're boy. a vessel, as it's it's going to be called in this world. So magic itself came about ten years ago, and like I said, it put a lot of people out of jobs, and it has also created this kind of vacuum of necessity where people with magic they 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 rise in the ranks because they have something that can be used, especially by elites and by people in the black coat system. Um, they are a wanted resource. So magic itself is, is a wild and hard to tame. It's like raw power because it's so new. Um, it's dependent on the surrounding nature and emotions of the vessel itself. So keep your cool, Leon, and maybe you'll, uh, you'll have a good time with magic. <laughs> Um, but it's it's no, like that the... would be boring. Well, exactly. Wow! Don't it's... break the game, Leon. Don't break <laughs> the game. Wow! I've I've not really put much in place to limit magic because it is in itself like the just the manifestation of energy from a person. Uh, it's expressed expressed through intent, be it harming or healing the world or understanding things that are hidden. Uh, as well as, like, mental manipulations. So for the most part, magic will act just as any other stat set when when casting, uh, but obviously magic gives the opportunity for a very wide spectrum of possibilities. This means it's highly valuable to have relative skills in place. However, magic is also the most dangerous thing when it goes wrong. So I think just off the cuff, your character being the magic one, Leon, can probably cause the most damage the quickest, but if you fuck up, can basically... It is going to cause the most damage on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Yes. so if, if it causes the most damage whether you fuck up or not. It's either to you or to someone else. So, you know, if, if you're using it like that, be prepared. Um, so it, it, it is highly valuable, but it can go wrong. Uh, any and all magic can be attempted by anyone with a higher than, like, the lowest set of, of dice we give you in that stat. Um, some spells may act similar under different emotional states. They may appear differently. If you're succeeding in a range and magic attack when angry, you might cause lightning to strike an enemy, but when you do the exact same thing when you say, oh, you know, I'm feeling really shitty today, it might be an ice effect or something like that. So it, it varies, but we're going to have to delve into your character's emotional state a little bit as well, which is going to be fun, you being the edgiest bastard in the podcast. What emotions. What emotions. 
Um, the technology in the world is advancing with with the discovery of magic. Like the there's people in the world who've been able to manipulate it, and we have things like magical capacitors that are like the batteries of the world that can. It's basically given us uh, a big old power source to fuel things like you know, combustion systems, and it's given way to the rise of, like, magical prosthesis um, for technically non-magical people. They can use these batteries and things to magically power the prosthesis, but if you're growing up in the den, you might have an, an old clockwork kind of wooden thing instead. Um, but there are tinkerers out there who are creating more and more beautiful things. I think the mm. the most technologically advanced thing is the replacement of horses um, in the elite districts, which uh, they're they're being slowly replaced by mechanical beasts of burden called hoppers, uh, which you helped design, Sarah. Could you to a certain degree? Yeah. Could, um, could you describe one for me? Of course. Uh, instead of having a whole horse what was your exact description oh yes imagine a horse's ass walking backwards was the words i got yes with a big old capacitor stuck in the back of it yes and a lot more square shaped mm. uh it looks very mecca uh yeah yeah diesel punk mecca out walking is the imagery i got mm. and they generally draw carriages and such yeah, I think there there would probably be some like old or or just broken down shitty versions in the oh, yeah. in the den used in the factories and things to pull carts and things. Um, but mostly in the dens, it would be like pulley systems and cranes, like maybe some horse left alive. Yeah, if they'd not been killed for food yet. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, that's I think that's kind of the state that the like whole automaton system is on right now right yeah like there, there are no humanoid automaton servants kind of a thing yeah just we get yet, them to because... pull stuff and walk along maybe but apart from that there is no crazy yeah. ai around no there's there's no ai there's no like computational systems it's very much you know if you've got one of these hoppers they go forwards and they turn and that's you know it's not uh you say something to it and it takes you home so we're, we're not that advanced but the the steampunk aesthetic is there and it's very much alive. Um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about the system itself. Uh, not too much because as we as we play, I think we'll get to know the system a little more. But the basics, like your your stats for your character, uh, we've got what was it? I think five stats. And they are used for a variety of things. We have brain used for intelligence, mental acuity, information recall, situational analysis, as well as charisma, survival perception, things like that. Force is your strength. It's your body-based skills, your power of force. As well as being the base stat for any and all physical, close combat, melee skills, blunt force, weapon-based attacks, hammers, clubs, staff, you know, bricks if you want to throw a brick you'll be using force instead of something like the next one say accuracy 
um, accuracy is going to be your dexterity, agility, acrobatic skills, sleight of hand if you're a roguey thief. Well, who would be that kind of bastard? Oh, who? I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> we'll indeed. figure that out. Yes. Uh, but it's also going to be used when using something like, say, a ranged magical attack or when fighting in a we- with a weapon that requires finesse. Um, a brute and an expert swordsman may both have the same sword, but when it comes to fighting each other, one may, for- may use force over accuracy if necessary. But if you've got magic, you don't need a bloody sword. So magic, um, as well as being used for spell casting and to, to a certain degree dispelling, is also used as your intuition. Because your magic is like the essence of your own self. It's, it's your energy and your, I don't want to say soul, but like consciousness kind of a thing. So it's also going to be used for intuition and insight. So it's working something out by the instinct and feeling to understand something instead of just what you can see. And the last stat is metal, which is your constitution, your willpower, your reflexes to a certain degree, if accuracy can't be used. Um, stamina, perseverance. Stubbornness in general. Yeah. Your if, determination, kind of. Yeah, it's your determination and your, you know, constitution, if this was a D&D. Yeah. Um, and additionally to that, um, I gave you guys all a select number of points you could spend in skills. And I, I kind of asked you to... I, I didn't give you rules, necessarily, on this is a list of skills you can have. What I asked you to do was figure out a skill that would help you in your day-to-day life or whatever it is, heinous or not, that you decide to do with your character. Make your skill vague enough that it can be applicable to a variety of things, but not so vague that I would say, fuck you, you've broken my system. You can use this bonus wherever you like. Cause... Not that someone tried that at all. No. None of us not... did. No, why would we do that? <laughs> So I've I've Why are all the heads turning at this point? <laughs> Come on. I guys. wonder. Don't I've... worry, I did it too. I had to be a bit more specific with a lot of my skills. Yes. So you you've got skills that are applicable to a lot of things. Stealth, for example. Yeah, stealth. Stealth's a good one. It can be used when you're being sneaky in any sneaky situation, even if you're just like, I don't want to be seen in this crowd too. I'm Batmaning in the fucking rafters in the shadows somewhere, <laughs> you know. So it's it's vague enough that it can be used in a variety of circumstances, but not so vague. You're just like I go invisible whenever the fuck I please. Um, so when you 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 guys have assigned a D four to D twelve, yes, in these in these five stats. So D four, D sixty eight, D ten, D twelve. That's five, right? Yes, I can math. Um, wow! And the, these Shocking. are your base stats. Your your good, your your a cascading level of good to not good in these five areas, and your skills will give you little bonuses to that. And how the rolls, the base rolls, will work is I've got either one to four d six, and I'll give you a threshold to beat if I think a roll is applicable. So a 1d6 roll will give you a threshold of either 1 to 6. If it's a, you know, a task that you could easily fail, but it would be easy to pass. And if you've got, you're rolling your, like, 2d12s, 
you got to roll both of your d12s over that threshold, that one numbered threshold, to get a, a complete success. Um, if you've got one over, one under, something bad might happen, but you'll do the thing you wanted to do, and if they're both under, you, you fucked up. You failed. And you done goofed. <laughs> you done goofed. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. I think it's 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 more lovely when you have to do some task and you have to roll a d fours. Yes. Oh. Because the lowest. I mean. D fours are horrible. The reason me and Jacob kind of figured this out, and it's quite close to the apocalypse system, I think. But the reason we worked it out this way, where you're rolling two dice and I'm just rolling a threshold mm. that you're gonna be, is it can be very swingy. So if if I've got like a damn near impossible task and I roll 4d6, the lowest I could roll is 4, which you can still beat technically with your lowest yeah, stat. True. I roll the shittest I can and you roll the best you can with your d4. I mean, thankfully you're not a good roller. I am not, as anyone who listened to the entirety of Shadowrun will I think, be able I th- to attest to. I think to. the first season was much worse than the second one. It was. I've recently listened back to some of those and they are... Such bad rolls. Like, <laughs> awful rolls from me. I think I binned half of my dice in that entire session. <laughs> like, the, the season one was terrible. Okay. But that is that is the basics of, uh, like, what you'll be rolling. The only difference in if I ask you to roll something other than your your, like, two dice in whatever stat is if I ask you to do a binary effect... And it will only be when something affects you. Say you're deafened, poisoned, blinded. Um, you have, you know, something that affects you that is either a fail state or a success state. Like, you can't be half deafened. So that, that would be, I'd, I'd just say, it's a binary roll. And whatever stat I've asked you to roll and meet the threshold, you'd roll one dice instead of two. That's it. So that's the only real difference in the rolls that I will ask you to do. Um, the other thing is, if I give you an advantage or a disadvantage, it won't apply to your dice, it'll apply to mine. If you've got an advantage to do something, I get one less d6. If you've got disadvantage to do something, I get another one. Oh, yeah, nice. Yes. Fun. Fun times. So that is that is where I'm going to end the system talk, because uh, everything else will come during the podcast. Um, and yeah. So this is the time where I'd like you to go around and introduce what character and give a little bit about yourself. You can say as much or as little about your backstory as you want, Um, but if you can give us a basic rundown of who you are, what you're good at, and give us your stats and whatever else you want to say, then I'll hand over to you. So you basically want us to tell you the stats we have Hell yeah! The skills. Yes. Okay. Stat skills and a bit of backstory, like who the fuck you are and oh. why I should give a shit. Oh, also, quick question. Do we talk about armor, weapon, and you, bag you, of things? Yeah, you, if, if you want to say what you've got, you, you can if you like. Okay. But do you want to talk about what bag of things are? Well, your bag of things is something you've, you've got. Okay, cool. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. True. You've got, you've got true, armor true, and true, weapons true. as well. But, but I don't know if there's a specific thing that you want to say within the rule system. Um, nah. I think okay. people understand what armor weapons is. Okay, like, so my character's name is Jamie Bloom. 
She is around 30 and she works at docks. She's pretty tall, very stock built, kind of like brute-ish kind of looking like. She mm-hmm. could be confused for men. Yeah. But she she's had, a muscular slab of meat. Yes. But she's a woman. But she's a um, woman. And she's always been like this since she was a young kid. Um, so for the the best stat that she has, she has force, obviously. She uses so the you default. are a strong lady. Yeah, she's a strong lady. And then it's and then it's uh metal. Yep. Which is a D10 and then accuracy. She's not very accurate, obviously. Um, she's also not very smart. She tries. Yeah. So you've got a, a brain of six. Yes. I mean, magic is four. Definitely a four. Yeah. So she's, mm, she's not very perceptive of uh, things that are going around her. Mm. So with a... With a D4 being your lowest stat in magic, you can't necessarily cast, like, yeah. you know, aggressive damage-dealing spells, but you can attempt to do small magic things, like, within the system, if you'd like. I don't think you're going for that kind of a, a build, but you have a dice in it if you I know, need. I know, I know, I um, know. But just, like, for the the rules kind of... Yeah, lawyers. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, you can I mean, do small stuff. If but you if can't if cast. magic is used for perception and to like figure out yeah. the things that are around, the, yeah, the, it's the your character. insight and intuition. Yeah. I mean, she's st- like he, she can still use the stat for that instead mm. of just like casting things. Yeah. Um, as for skills, so I got brawl as a uh, level two. Yep. And. The brawl you will roll uh, with force with with force if you're in a fight, yes. basically. Uh, she also I also got machinery knowledge, and she works at the dock. Because you really need to buff that brain. Oh yeah, <laughs> so I went stat. for two for yeah. that one. So that's for brain, uh, and I got inside like reading people directly because magic yeah. is pretty shit. So yeah. I also got that on a two, and manipulation, which can be used either with the brain or force. So when when we discussed this, you we wanted to take something like intimidation, didn't you? Yes. And I suggested manipulate, which can be used in either force or brain. Yes. If you want to, like, basically try and persuade someone to do something yeah. for me, either by um, talking to them or by being aggressive. Yeah. So that that is, you know, you you have more than just. I'm a big person and I'll beat the shit out of yes. you implications. So I mean, that's why I took, uh, I kind of guided you towards manipulate yeah. instead of just intimidation. It, it, make, it does make more sense. Yeah. And at the time I did understand what uh, we talked about yeah. while, yeah. Why, why we did this. And also I chose break, which is more not to just be It's so you forceful. can disrespect your surroundings. Yes, but not just to, to be uh, like forceful, but also to be a little bit more precise, I guess. Because that's, I think, that's what we talked about. Like, for it to be more, like, not just Hulk smash, but to be like, oh, if I want to break a specific thing, it's, yeah. like, easier for me to do it. Yeah. Not so, that I need help with force, but, you know, you never know. I mean, it gives you that slight edge, so. <laughs> yes. Uh, then I also got fearless, which is both, it could be determination or brain. Yeah. 
in so in, in the sense of like not being afraid of uh, certain things and like not be like be a little bit more um uh, kind of like how do i explain this um not not being afraid of doing something i think it it helps your brain roll in the way of if you don't understand that you're being like threatened you've got yeah. that little oh, bit yeah. of an edge on your brain roll yeah. to go i either don't understand or i don't give a shit that I'm being threatened, yeah. and and if someone basically tries to, I give you a threshold of like you're gonna be scared about uh, of this person, then you can be like, nah, fuck, I've got my fearless roll. I'm adding a adding a little bit extra to my dice roll. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. that that can also be used though. Right? And mm. the last one that I got was immunity, specifically to poison. Yeah. Um, if in case I don't know, I get poisoned by drinks or by being stabbed or whatever it is. Yeah. So, poison specific, but the, the I, I will grant you certain leeway with uh, immunity. It's going to mm. be on metal rolls and nothing else. Yes. So, yeah, when when someone comes at you with most things, but specifically poison, you're going to get a bit of an edge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. What else do I want to say about myself? Um. So basically I just carry around I just carry I just carry around like this bag of small things that I might need throughout um like to get around and all that stuff and as for weapons I basically either just use the sledgehammer that I use for work yep or my own um hands yeah, because your what is it? Force is your highest. You you can yes. deal a, a whole damage yes. unarmed, which given like if you don't have an arm, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, so <laughs> just random citizens on the street. Like we we've talked about the den, we've talked about black coats and the elite, uh, but there's also another section of of society that don't like assign themselves to these group, and those would just be normal ass people. You know, shop owners and such, yeah. like, uh, kids on the street. If you dealt one damage to them, they would die. Um, hmm. Like, I think the... Who's got the highest HP? I think it's me. you guys. I, I think, think it's it is me you. as well. So your, I have your a HP seven. is at seven. Yes, so the, because the, of the metal. Yeah. So, like, di- different stats give you different little bonuses. Um, so you've got a bonus on your basically a, a free damage for your unarmed attacks and you've got a, a, another HP for your metal being so high which could have been higher if you'd taken a 12 in it but yeah. no one else has an unarmed damage of one that could kill a normal ass person with a punch I mean the fact that uh, she used to carry boxes and all of that stuff <laughs> like just for a living and now mm. works with machinery because she fixes the machinery that She's practically Taking, a weightlifter. Yeah. Like, she now works with the machinery that took hers and everyone else's jobs in the docks. So now she just tries and fix that. So she has a job. Yeah. So before that, she used to carry a lot of heavy things. Mm. So she never lost that. Yeah. And if machinery still... doesn't work, she's going to pick shit up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a case of. Uh, that but yeah yeah um armor 
is is fine. We'll we'll discuss that when we get mm-hmm. into the actual game. Um, in your bag, you've got machine tools, map, a rope, a flask. What's in your flask? It's empty. It's just for if you need to pick shit up. Yeah. Oh, cool. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, for the moment, I don't know. Yeah. I've not decided if I want to have any kind of like liquid in it for mm. the time being. And you've also got a shipping manifesto from yes. your workplace. Exactly. Which these things, when used um, mechanically, will not grant you um, like additional things to your roles like the skills do, but they will grant you maybe an advantage, giving me one less d6 roll against you. If you're trying to work shit out with your shipping manifesto, or if you're trying to, you know, contain some liquid that's trying to fucking escape you or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I'm making you roll and you say, I get my flask out of my bag, you're going to get an advantage. Yeah. Um, but with that, I think we should move on to the next character, yes. unless there's something else you want to add. No, th- maybe the only thing that I forgot to mention is she lives in the, the slums, like the, yeah. the, the, the den area, but she doesn't belong to the den. She's like a normal person who just works at the dock and tries to keep her nose clean. Yeah. I mean, the, the working in the docks, you have ties to the den because the docks because are I work for owned them. by them. Yeah, but not like in but a more like specific... Not an active gang yeah. member, exactly. I, would, I would suggest. Yeah. So, Sarah, do you want to tell me about my little character your little old lady yes hello my character's name is jane hicks she is a sneak thief rogue is the best way to describe her to be honest yes um she is a 57 year old woman who dresses like closer to a 70 to 80 year old woman just to trick people because people never think things old ladies will steal for them and she steals you, you a have lot. the disguise of innocence oh i do including a pair of huge baby blue eyes who just look so sweet <laughs> and innocent oh hello dear do you have the time could i borrow just a moment of your time oh thank you well and she's literally stealing your watch oh yes of course <laughs> oh you can't find your watch that's so odd did you remember to pack it this morning anyhow um yeah she is den yeah then yeah. up to the east. Okay, so she is basically a gang member or ex-gang member as is. Well, she's affiliated no longer one of the higher members, but she was very, very mm. affiliated with it. But let's just get to that in a bit. First, mm-hmm. let's go through stats. Yeah. So she is the clever one in this she's group. A smart cookie. Brain of 12. Brain of 12, indeed. Because you kind of need to be clever when your entire life is in the disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, he, she's not that forceful. Uh She's got a force of four. Yeah, so that's your lowest stat. You're not the, you're not the strong kind. No, but she is fucking accurate. Yes. Uh, accuracy of ten. Uh, she's fairly quick, and as you need to be when you steal shit. Mm-hmm. And if she ends up in anything close to a fight, she will most likely try to go for a quick stab and run to yes. the hills than anything else. Um. Uh. Magic is on six, so yep. so you you could cast damage dealing spells if you wanted to, but they would be very low damage rating. Yeah, it'd and probably be a one or like if you're luckier to. And also, she wouldn't want to. Like the best way to describe mm. is that even if she only dresses like she's in the seventies, in her mind, the whole magic thing is a young person's game. It's like it's right. Yeah, she does That's not need to learn. She she feels like she's found her place in the world. And she doesn't feel the need to change it. Yeah. And 
determination is on eight. Well, sorry, uh, metal. Metal. Yeah. metal. So you are a hardy person when it comes to the grind, but probably not... Well, I don't know. Would you be the first to fold? I'm not sure about uh, Leon's stats. Oh, no, they're the same. So you're mm. both kind of like up against it where where Jamie Bloom over here would be the the least likely person to fold. Yes, but I will also be also to think through things. So yes. is that I think you're more likely to jump away from danger and hide to get like sneak attacks than than anything else. Well it's more effective, to be yeah. honest. Um then skills wise. Yeah. Uh lock picking. It's an accuracy roll and you've got two in there. Yes. Deception. Mm-hmm. Also two in there because, like I said, disguised. Yeah. So that'll be a brain roll. Yes. Yep. Uh, stealth, also two. Inaccuracy. That's yes. good. Den knowledge, because born and raised in the den. Yeah. So knowledge will, obviously, you just get that additional one that you've got to den knowledge on brain rolls to remember, you know, what the fuck is going on, who people is, and the history. So yes. any knowledge you need to know about the den... You, you got it covered. Yes. Then we also have the black coat knowledge, which is for a different reason I have that. Uh, partially because you need to know about your enemy. Yes. And also because uh, Jane has some children in the force. She has children who are black coats? She does. Ooh. She's got two kids and, well, they needed to survive somehow. Yeah. And... She's also got sleight of hand as a skill. Mm-hmm. And a two on that. And she's got a one in duel. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, another accuracy. You've buffed your accuracy with a lot of these skills, and the others are just adding bits to your brain. So you've very much maximized the things, the, the stats that you've already got the highest, which I find hilarious because you're just going to be like, if it doesn't involve accuracy or brain, I'm, I'm going to just leave it to you guys. Like, I know my skills. Fuck off. <laughs> Look, I stick with the brutes for a reason. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't need them otherwise. That's fair. That's fair. How dare you? I <laughs> Calling me a brute. Well, you're one. So, tell me about your weapon. You've got one weapon. Yes, it's a long dagger mm-hmm. with uh, poison. <laughs> so, when you're, you're, each weapon has a damage rating so the the damage is applied automatically on a successful hit instead of rolling damage and expediting like the the combat process yes um so we've taken the whole rolling damage out of it so i think the sledgehammer that uh, jamie's got deals two damage yes and if she doesn't have a sledgehammer she's got one damage anyway your lung dagger is interesting because it also poisons people. Yes, it's which, laced with basic poison. Yeah. So you'll roll to hit someone, and your damage will be automatically applied, and obviously reduced by however much armor someone else is wearing for physical, you know, damage. Yes. But if you, like, succeed, like, fully succeed, you will basically proc your poison which will give anyone advantage which is like one less d6 threshold to attacking that person again and basically if they try and do anything else they're a higher chance of failing to do that 
Yep. So having an effect on your weapon is pretty interesting yeah. and will come into the game, I'm pretty sure, quite fast. Yes. And I'm going to assume my bag of things, or in my case, my old lady bag. Yep. Uh, I have uh, needles for knitting, sewing, because you need to look very natural sitting on the street doing something when you need to steal things. And a little old lady sitting there and knitting is not going to cause any disturbance, is she? So she can easily survey the area. I think Ezio missed a beat <laughs> sitting on benches in the middle of wherever the fuck. He should have been knitting instead. Yeah, and also a few lockpicks. Yep. A hand mirror in case you need to, you know... Look around corners. Yeah. Steel wire, partially for making basic traps. In some cases, cutting shit open if you... You know... There's plenty of uses for it. Yeah. And also a matchbox. Yes. So you can create fire without your having to roll magic things. Yeah, you don't need magic for everything after all. No. So that is Jane Hicks, a.k.a. Auntie J, was it? Yes, that yes. might be good to mention as well. She is very well known on the Den Streets. Yes, she is. she's a big name. She is. As it were. So that is Jane. Uh, Leon, do you want to tell me about your character? Oh, I would love to. All right. So the one thing that is kind of missing so far is, as we have established, the magic. Yeah. That's where I come in. <laughs> so uh, I'm playing Quinn Vaughn, who is basically the magic boy, the vessel in this place. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. As we have already heard, magic is kind of a new thing, but if there is power, people find a way to exploit it. Yeah. As has been the case for the people wielding this magic, especially while they are not exactly knowing what they are doing or how this whole thing works. Yeah, because so, magic is dangerous but also valuable, so the people in power, the wealthy people, want that shit. It's free real estate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um... There is a system when you come into the elite district in general that, of course, you are the posh people, you have people working for you. So mm -hmm. you also employ servants. In most cases, those servants, you try like, uh, yeah, to have them as useful as possible. So those servants tend to be, if you they manage... They tend to be powerful vessels. Yeah. Because if you've got a state-of-the-art home that can be basically run on magic, you want a magic butler to power the entire thing. How much more convenient can things get? Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. Um, just a little backstory wise, to like wrap up the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Quinn's mom was the one who kind of migrated into Moon's Edge, and then, as being one of the rather artsy people, was very quickly gathering the attention of some people in the elite district. For example, now, the next person who is basically uh. Quinn's dad, who is married to someone who is very, very power-hungry in the elite district yeah. on the uprise and trying to, yeah, climb the ladder, climb the ranks as much as that is possible. Yeah. So Quinn's essentially stepmom is an elite. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Ouch. So did, did Quinn get all the luxuries of being an elite growing up then? Absolutely not. Quinn was more of the uh, unfortunate result of an affair that was then entirely rubbed into the nose of the unfaithful father. Mm-hmm. Scandalous. Oh my gosh. 
because so that was the, so convenient. At some point, when people found out that Quinn was able to do things that he was not normally supposed to be doing, they thought, hmm, what could we do with that? The bastard son of this elite's husband might actually be useful. Exactly. So we're going to exploit the hell out of him. Meaning that he was very quickly turned into one of the like yeah up-and-coming servants of the house exploited as a source of power as much as that was possible hmm. see quinn is is like is interesting because he's from the place where he should have had the most privilege but was also basically a slave as was well. basically like, denied all of it he yeah. was uh, looking at it and not having the fun that everyone else was yeah which in the elite kind of society of let's show off how much shit we've got must have been a real burn that's a bummer yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so tell me about quinn's stats so uh yeah quinn being the magic boy has a d12 in magic slash intuition as that is the one thing he's doing he's trying to figure out himself how exactly the whole thing works and just recently as he has been uh, managing to kind of escape from the elitist district because of an incident, mm. um, yeah, is on the verge of discovering what exactly his magic does and how he can use it. But magic is his most powerful stat, being the D12. Yeah. Then, as a servant and as the one who has been yeah doing things the entire time, uh, he has a ten in force. Yep. So he's he's not the beefiest, but he's still pretty damn strong. Still a bit of a walking muscle, exactly. Mm. Then, also, due to his magic, he's one stubborn boy. So mm. his metal is a D8. Yep. Now, that, that the metal being at the D8 does affect your health. So yours and uh, Jane Hicks's health are at six. Whereas uh, Jamie Blooms is at seven. Being the beefy, healthy person. Yes. Yes. Strong. And you kids and then, your muscles. Uh, yeah, the thing is, a whole life of basically exploitation and neglect has had a little of effect on his gray cells. Quinn is not the brightest person yeah. in the world of Moon's Edge, but he has a D6 in brain. He does. And then... That leaves your accuracy. And the unfortunate thing <laughs> is that Quinn is... Uh, and there is no correlation to myself at all about this uh, one hell of a clumsy boy. Yeah, he's a clumsy bastard who can't really do much in the way of dexterity. Exactly. So his accuracy is a d4. So that's... Interesting. <laughs> Especially um, considering that magic on, like, uh, ranged effects or something like that is supposed to be accuracy. Yep, yep. Spicing things so, up. So, I think when you try and proc a magic effect that is based sheerly on accuracy, you might end up hitting some of your allies, maybe? Which might be bad. Wait, friendly fire? No one <laughs> told me about this! Yeah, so, yes, I, they do. I think, um... Like, touch damage magic effects would probably be Quinn's strong suit. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, Quinn always had to go in and do stuff himself. He's kind of 
more the melee person in general. He goes in and tries to do things, and when there's some sort of magic effect, that's nice, right? Yeah. Fair enough. So, skills. Do you have your skills written down, or do you need them? Um, I think I remember most of them. You might have to help me out at some place. Okay. But, so, one thing that is very, very nice, if you are to some extent able to wield magic is that you can also use it to try and regenerate whatever damage you have been taking so far. So one of Quinn's skills is just healing, yep. basically. You've got two points uh, to help you with magical healing, which is y you are now the, the wizard and also the, the party cleric. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, the monk, here we go. Yeah. Um, then uh, we also, because he has basically been spending his entire life in the elite district, there is elite knowledge. Yep, you got a one additional to your brain on any elite knowledge roll. Then, one thing that he has basically figured out recently is that magic can be very, very useful to kind of create barriers to a certain extent, or something we are as a skill calling magical boundaries. Yeah. So, those can basically be used both as a means of separation, just literally creating something like a wall or a barrier around yourself. Mm. But you can also just be a little creative. And for example, if you need to get up somewhere, there's no other means you try and create something like a ramp or... Yeah, you could create a disc of... A barrier-based staircase. Yeah. So the magical boundary, you've got a, a two to your magic, but holding... A magical boundary for a period of time will require you to make metal rolls to judge whether you continue keeping the stamina, and it's it's essentially uh, concentration if we were playing D&D. I, I wanted to limit you somewhat so you couldn't just be like, I've created a barrier, you know, around this door, I'm going to sleep and it's going to be there either until I dispel it or just for fucking ever. You know, why not? So it, it will grant you, like, you've got to cast it and succeed, and it will grant you basically either impunity if you, you know, successfully cast it, or it will get you basically an advantage again. It, it'll shield you up, essentially, with advantage if you, uh, if you only minorly succeed with that. Um, then... Uh... One thing that is also very nice if you are trying to wield magic in a way of affecting multiple people is that you want some sort of area of effect. Yeah. Talking, like, RPG-wise, basically. Yeah, so, so if, if you try an AoE, you've got a plus two to your magic. If it's, like, combat, I would say. So yeah. you will be using either your accuracy or your force because it will have to be a you know, an attack roll. But you've got a plus two to that, so good good luck. <laughs> so that's nice, right? That's We're nice. gonna see what we can do with that. Yeah. Potentially. And then so uh, the ways of magic are mysterious. The ways that they work in are not fully explored. You can do loads of bullshit with it. You can which kind of manifests in another skill that Quinn has, which is I think we called it mind disruption basically. Um, yes. I, it, it was disrupt emotion. So you can essentially confuse people, or if they are feeling one way, you can't necessarily, if someone comes at you feeling angry, you can't immediately be like, I'm going to make you feel happy. It's, it's less, like, pinpoint accurate than that. 
but you could make them essentially question themselves as to why the fuck they were angry, and if they decide, oh shit, I have basically fucking forgotten, then they'll still be angry, but they'll probably fuck off about it. You kind of just cut into the train of thought and say, hmm, what was that about again? Yeah. Like, uh, so could th- you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> also, if you have a another magical you know, foe who's, you know, throwing fire at you and you're like, oh shit, we're in a place I could burn down. Because magic is so based on the emotional range of of the caster, if you disrupted their emotion, you could all of a sudden turn that into lightning or or ice if you wanted to, you know, not necessarily just kill them. If you wanted to be like, I'm going to keep this person alive and not deflect their attacks. But you could change that if you really wanted. So, yeah, there's a lot of shenanigans possible with that yeah we'll see how that works out in the end yeah you can also confuse the shit out of people which is also fun uh backing off of that you've also got mind read which is interesting a plus one for your magical mind reading yeah the whole thing about magic and minds of people is going to be very interesting and uh mind read is just on a plus one because it's something quinn has been picking up a bit unintentionally basically just because whoops, here we go, and we've been listening in on people without actually meaning it, which is not always the best thing, especially in an, uh, especially in an environment that doesn't really appreciate you that much. So Yeah. So magic, like I said, being based on consciousness, emotions, and, like, natural surroundings can leak out. Um, and if you're very sensitive to that, you can pick up on other people's emotions, their trains of thought, and if you hone it down like you've got a skill in it, you can read people's minds, which is useful. And disturbing at the same time. And disturbing. But considering magic can leak out and magic can leave, like, clues behind, it, 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 instead of a better word, you've also got a two in detect magic. Yeah, because, I mean, if you have magic, there should be some sort of connection to the magic going on around you. Yep. And as magic being the intuition thing, it is also very handy to just know whenever someone else is doing something magic-related or... Yeah, like, there's magic working in some way around you, so... Mm. And that's all for your skills. In your bag, you have a magical charging adapter used in elite homes to, you know, power things. Uh, You've got a family crest, a foci ring, a disguise cloak. Tell me about your disguise cloak. What what is that about? Well, Quinn being the servant for an elite family also means sometimes he has to do things on the, like, uh, let's say, a little shady side. Maybe he's going around in the other districts, of course, as well, as long as that's convenient for his masters. Hmm. So uh, his disguise cloak is basically just a two-sided thing. You turn around whenever you want to enter the elite district or the den district, like the lower districts, uh, and need... So is it a certain attire? Is it a posh cloak that if you turn it inside out is basically a sack? A very shitty cloak. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which is hilarious. And you've also the last thing you've got in your bag is parchment and pens. For for writing, like, why I suppose. Why would that ever be useful, right? I know. Um I think another thing I would give all of you who if you feel like your character would have it is a lantern. Of some description. If a you think purple lantern, no, Jay just Light. 
Like, I think Jane definitely might. But the fact that the sun never comes up because it doesn't exist in this world. And, you know, yeah, your, your primary source of light is either candles in the lower district, lanterns and such like in the middle, and, you know, magical forces in the elite district. Yeah, Jane like, would definitely have a lantern. I know. mean, I mean, probably Jamie as well, like, since she's using rope for belt. Yes. <laughs> probably has something rope, rope like... Rope is belt. Yes. Because uh, you always need a rope. Um, it, she could, How many times has Jamie wrapped that around? Because I've got five meters of rope written down I in your character know. sheet. I don't know. I, I don't even remember. Oh, I remember why it wasn't in the back because it didn't fit. <laughs> Shit, yeah. Because it was I'm, kind of like either like a belt or just as a like a... A bandolier. A bandolier, yeah. What, what I'm imagining with five meters is it's both a belt and like suspe- like cross suspenders oh, yeah. as well. Everything just is done out of rope. wrapped entirely yeah. around you. Mm. Oh, this is going to be fun to draw. <laughs> oh, she was, she's poor. She, she works with whatever she gets. Yeah. And probably she has like a lantern like stuck in her belt or something like that. So between you all, you've got magic brains and brawn covered. Yes. Do you yeah. think it's going to be enough for the pain and misery I will throw at you? Probably not, but no. we'll try. But we will at least make it as painful as possible for you as well. Yes. So me being a brand spanking new GM and also my first GM outing being recorded and, you know, sent forth in podcast form. Yeah. I am slightly going to begin you on rails for my own sanity. But once we've got you into the story... You have free reign to do whatever the fuck you want, and I am shitting myself. <laughs> Having never GM before, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but I have a story in mind, and I'm going to give you all the plot hooks you need. I'm um, pretty sure it's going to go fine. I mean, you're good at telling the stories. That you are. Yeah, but if if you're good at telling stories, you write a book. You don't let your friends fuck with your story. <laughs> So, James, quick question. Is there anything else you, as a GM, would want the audience to know about our characters that we have not mentioned? Um, not necessarily. Like, the, you all have backstory, and some of you are more willing to give your backstory up than others. But if, if like, I, I also have all of your backstory and have various ways to fuck with you which is mm. always good for a GM to have. You're staring intensely at me at this specific point. I am. You gave me the most backstory and therefore Seven the pages. most ammunition. So. Yes, but also the most things I can play with. Yes. And the most things I can use to make the story more interesting. Mm. Yes. So I think that's where we should probably leave it today. This has gone on long enough. Um, but this is Session Zero, and uh, if all goes to plan, we'll be released at the same time as... Episode one. Episode one. Yes. So if you've just finished this and you're thinking, this sounds stupid and ridiculous, I totally want to hear these idiots play a game about a miserable life in a Victorian-esque London with magic and bullshit... And steampunk. Mm. And steampunk. Then go on over and listen to episode one, and I hope it's super smashing great. Oof. Big oof. Big oof. Big oof. <laughs> so. I mean, we'll, we'll try. It's... We will try. Mm. Yes. Any any closing comments? Well, I can at least promise there will be some art included during this process. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as as there was art with Shadowrun, Sarah has kept 
doing art or promise to keep yes. doing art for Moon's Edge. And also, you can now follow us on Instagram if you haven't already, obviously. Yep, we have an Instagram page. Yes. Though. I don't it's know how to use Instagram. I feel like an old person. And also Twitter. I mean, yeah. There's a load of links in the description. There's an yes. episode one out. For now, it's a goodbye from them. Bye. Bye-bye. And a goodbye from me. And we will see you next time on Dice Performance Does Moon's Edge. Cool. You've been listening to Dice Performance. Part of Umeå Theatre Company and Folk University Theatre. Edited by Lynn Olson. Produced by Joanna Velosa. Art by Sarah Gustafsson. PR by Alex Rader. And project managed by Jakob Safsten. Are you recording? Good.